So we are continuing the book of Romans. We've had two weeks off. Um, consequently, I preached the last Romans. So this is a continuation. More Romans. Um, and I'm going to read in chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> Starting in verse 1, it says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have been dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another. To him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to that we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So what does this mean? Um, Judaism, if you think, Israel's relationship with the law of Moses began at Mount Sinai. If you remember with Moses and Mount Sinai, it's where he gave them the law. And this was a covenant ceremony. Uh, large sections of the Torah record the terms of this covenant. So for a Jew to walk away from, the, from this covenant was to violate the sacred vow they made with God as a people. You have to understand that to understand this portion of scripture. The result of that violation would be bring upon themselves the curses contained in the covenant. So no observant Jew could just decide to stop following the law. To do so would make them nothing less than an infidel. This was what was in the Jewish people. Okay, This is an underlying issue Paul is addressing here. He wants his Jewish readers to see that following Christ is not a breach of the covenant. And the way he does this is to compare the covenant made at Sinai with a marriage covenant. The central point of the argument is this, that the vows of a marriage covenant cease to be enforced when one of the party dies. The same thing is true of the vows made at Sinai. He has just shown that the person who puts their faith in Christ is counted in the spiritual world as having died with him. This is what I preached two weeks ago, that if you are in Christ, you are dead. You're dead to the old man. That old Jew was dead. So as a Jewish person, you're dead. You're dead. As far as God and the law are concerned, that person has died and therefore is released from obligation to the law. They are free from their vows and its power to curse them has ended. The ultimate demand of the law is death and that demand was met in Christ. So a woman who has entered into a marriage covenant cannot leave a faithful husband. A faithful husband. Marriage is a solid binding agreement that cannot be broken without bringing God's judgment unless the spouse dies. So Paul explains that just as death releases a spouse to remarry, that spiritual death that took place when we placed our faith in Christ frees the Jew from their obligation to the law. Our death with Christ is not just a mere figure of speech, but rises to the level of our own actual physical death. Nothing less than death could free a Jew from the authority of the law. And that death took place when we, by faith, joined Christ in the grave. So Paul is telling these Jews that because they died with Christ, the covenant made at Mount Sinai lost its power to hold them, and they are free to enter a new marriage. Their new groom is the resurrected Messiah. 
And just as marriage produces the fruit of children, so a believer's marriage-like covenant will produce fruit for God. This is what he says. They now enter an entirely new relationship with the law. They no longer have to fulfill it down to the smallest detail, fearing the curse it threatened. If you look in Deuteronomy chapter 8, there's blessings, and then there's like four times as many curses as blessings. The radical change which takes place in their own spirits to set them free to fulfill the true intent of the law. Being married to Christ, then they have the power to successfully serve and obey God the way the law actually proclaims. While we are not under Mosaic law, we are not lawless. 1 Corinthians 9, 21 and 22, Paul says this. He says, and to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law towards Christ. So we're still under law towards Christ, under law towards God, that I might win those who are without law. So we are in fact under law towards Christ in a new covenant with a new authority and a lawfully wedded husband. Second Corinthians 11. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Paul is telling the Corinthian church this. But I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So Paul is telling all the churches the same thing here. He says, I, I am now having you enter into a new covenant with a new husband. In Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, we see this. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Skip ahead to verse 32. It says, this is a great mystery, but I speak of Christ and his church. So, as, as a woman, my role in this life is to submit to my husband. I am a married woman, so my role is to submit to my husband. And I think a lot of people, men and women alike, don't understand what submission is. Because it's not just actions, it's a heart condition. That says, I'm going to love and honor and respect and obey my husband for as long as he lives. This word submit is uh, made up of two words in the Greek, okay? <clears throat> the new Greek word is, is hupatasamo. It means, it's from two words, meaning appointed and ordained and subordinate, Okay, so the new word here means appointed and ordained to be under obedience and put oneself in subjection to. For the husband is the head of the wife. So subjection lies in honor and reverence and in obedience. So as a woman, right, we think well of our husbands speaking. We speak becoming to them and respectfully of them. The wife is a caretaker of the family and the family affairs according to the husband's will. She imitates him in what is good and bears with him in that which is not so good. 
She is his helper in assisting and caring, providing for the family. And she abides with him in prosperity and adversity and does nothing without his will and consent. And this subjection is only to her husband, not any other man. Not to her children or to her parents. The submission in this sense is easy, voluntary, and cheerful. I speak of a great mystery. I speak of Christ and his church. So Christ's authority over the church, his own bride, is exhibited then in the husband's authority and her submission to him as a wife. Submission is voluntary. Pastor Matt doesn't make me submit to him. I choose to submit to him. Otherwise, it's not submission. It's forced. If I don't choose it, it's forced. Now, does it make it easier because he loves me so well? Sure. It it does. But I don't always like it. (laughs) Does this mean that submission is easy? No. Submission is simple. Not necessarily easy. But disobedience is complicated. Does this mean I don't ever respond back to him? No. But I've resolved myself to submit to his leadership and I have given up the right to having my own way. And this is what it means for you to submit to Jesus. Uh Uh-huh. You thought it was about me. (laughs) Submitting to my husband. So tonight I want to talk about areas that require submission to Jesus as Lord. It is through this submission that we bear fruit for him. And this is what Paul is saying. He said, as a wife submits to her husband, this is what, this is how the bride submits to her husband. The first thing I must do is submit my will. Now remember what Paul said. He said, it is through this submission as unto our new bride, our new bridegroom that we bear fruit. So if we're not submitted, we can't bear fruit. So we have to submit our will. This is the very first thing. You have to submit your will. Because folks, the will is very strong. And I think it's funny when people say, I have a strong-willed child. And I say, I have never met a child that was not (laughs) strong-willed. I've never met a kid that is not strong-willed, that didn't want their own way. I've never met one. They don't come out obedient. They don't come out doing what you want them to do. Are there harder kids? Sure. You just got to be more diligent. But all all of us are strong-willed. Because everybody, uh, uh, and I don't like to say everybody, let's just say most people, because maybe not you, most people want their own way. And we want our own way from a child. It's in our flesh. We want our own way. I want what I want. I want what I want. But I've learned in my marriage to die to having my own way and allow my husband to lead me. Because I know that when I submit to his authority, I'm under his protection. Because authority is protection. 
And this is the same as our submission to Jesus. When we submit to his authority in our lives, we fall under his protection. And the will is a strong force in our lives and it will lead us astray if it's not in subjection to Jesus Christ as our Lord. And I, I, I really think a lot of people do not understand the biblical concept of Jesus is Lord. Because we'll say Jesus is Lord, but I don't know that you really understand what that means. In Romans 10, 9, and I use the Holman Christian Standard Bible because this is actually the truest uh, translation of it. And he said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, some now some translation said, if you confess Jesus um, or Lord, the Lord, if you confess the Lord Jesus, the, 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 this is a more accurate translation that Jesus is Lord. Now, why was this so important during this time? And if, if you um, remember your audience, Paul is writing to Roman Christians here under the Roman Empire. And under the Roman Empire, you were allowed to worship any god you wanted to because it was a pagan nation. You could worship any god you wanted to. They didn't care what god you worshipped. But you had to say, Caesar is Lord. Otherwise, you could lose your job. Oh, interesting. You could be killed. You lose your children. You could lose all sorts of things. They didn't care who you worshipped. This is why he said, if you confess, and Paul is telling this persecuted, crucified Roman church, he said, listen, if you confess that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, but that Jesus is Lord and he has the authority over your life, you'll be saved. That's what he's saying. You were proclaiming that Jesus was the only one who had authority over your life. And it was not Caesar. By confessing this, you were proclaiming on yourself a death sentence. You were saying that your will, your desires, your actions, your words, your body were under the authority of Jesus Christ, not Caesar's government. That's what it meant. And the will must be brought into subjection willingly Jeremiah 10 23 says oh Lord I know the way of man is not in himself it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps and Paul is quoting Jeremiah when he tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 19 do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God and you are not your own verse 20 goes on to say you were bought with a price says, you're, you're not your own. That means you're not an autonomous person. You don't govern yourself. God governs you now. God is your government. <clears throat> our will to go our own way and do our own thing is idolatry of self. Just when I usurp my will over my husband's will, I operate outside the marriage covenant. So is the same in the church. When we do our own thing and want to go our own way and we say, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, we operate then outside of the covenant of Jesus Christ. We outside his, we operate outside his protection. We operate outside everything that he has for us. We operate outside that safety. And there's a huge idol in the church, a ministry of self. And it's a ministry of self-will. And, 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 and think about what we say. And you hear it all the time. We say, my ministry. 
my purpose, my work. Yeah, we do. And uh, we're, we're, we're into self-promotion. We're into self. I mean, it's all about I, 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 me, me, me. Look what I did. Look what I did. Me, 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 me. And this is the language of the Antichrist. Isaiah 14 says, for you have said in your heart, and it's, it, this is an illusion here speaking about the Antichrist, speaking about Satan. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of cloud. I will be like the most high. I, I, I. And God's will for me is found in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. This is the will of God. Not my will. This is the will of God that I would be sanctified. That I would be more like him and less like me. That I would die to myself and be like Christ. That I would live for him and live for his glory. God's will for my life is sanctification. And this means that his will is to make me holy as he is holy. And unless you submit to the authority of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, you will continue to operate in in rebellion. You will never be sanctified. Just submit your will to the Lord and let him lead you. You don't have to have your own way. You don't. Have you recognized yet that your will is the path to destruction? Oh, can I get a witness? <laughs> if, you, if you reckon yourself dead, then Christ is your new Lord and master. And we are safe and secure under his authority. That's, that's where the safety is. That's where the security is. That's where the peace is. That's where the joy is. That's where the success is. That's where the victory is. Not in my achievement, not in my mission, not in, look at me and look at what I can do, but look at what God has done. And trust the spirit to lead you and guide you. But you have to submit your will. The next thing we have to submit is the words of our mouth. See, I don't talk bad about my husband. My words are submitted to him. I speak highly of him for good and never for evil. I don't nag him. You can ask him. I've never nagged him. Have I, honey? I don't nag you. I don't dishonor him to others. Is your mouth submitted to the Lord? See, because people may talk bad about Jesus. I may not talk bad about Jesus, but they talk bad about his bride. They may, may They may not mock Jesus, but they mock his bride. They may not persecute Jesus, but guess what? They persecute his bride. And guess what? And in doing so, you persecute him. In Acts 9, Jesus was saying this to Saul. And Saul, then he fell to the ground, Saul, and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is the apostle Paul. He said, why are you persecuting me? And, And who was Paul persecuting? The church. He was persecuting Christ's church. And Jesus said, well, I take that personally. Matthew 25, 40, and the king will answer and say to them, so Jesus says, assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Whatever you do to the church, you do to him. Yep. For good or bad. Yep. For good or bad. 
Do you think that you're going to be friends with my husband and talk bad about his bride? Yeah, no way. The opposite is also true. Um, I, I, I don't talk bad about my husband. I've never said anything bad about him to anybody else. I might have said it to his face, but that's because we're talking about it. But, <laughs> but I, I don't talk bad about him. I, don't, I, I haven't ever talked bad about him. I, I don't, um, if I have a problem with, I, t- I talk to him about the problem I have with him because we are one flesh. I was on a, uh, we went on a Thanksgiving trip one time and we were at, at a family member's house and um, this family member, <clears throat> for some reason, had a bad interaction with my husband earlier and was really upset and just flat out said, well, I don't like him and I don't want him in my house and he's not, he's not invited here. And I said, I said um, <clears throat> well, if he's not accepted here, I'm not accepted here. I can get, I can get my stuff and my, ch- my children and we're going to leave. Because you know what? Uh, I love my husband. And what happens to him happens to me. See, I love Jesus, and therefore I love what Jesus loves. I love what he loves. And you can't love Jesus without loving his bride. You can't. You can't say I love him and hate his people and hate his church and, and talk bad about his church. How are you talking about your brethren in Christ? How do you talk about other pastors? See, because I found out that those who speak the truth get the most hate. Oh, it's true. Yeah, the pastors that speak the most truth get the most hate. And shame on you for attacking someone telling you the truth. Do you think that pleases Christ? No, it does not. We have to submit our, our, our mouth to him. Ephesians 4 says, let no corrupt word, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. So no corrupt word, period. No corrupt, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, and, and I understand this can be challenging, but your mouth has to be submitted to the Lord. Because one of the things that's, uh, there, there's several scriptures that are kind of fearful to me. And one of them is, is that I will give an account to the Lord for every idle and foolish word that I speak. And boy, there are some times that I'm like, Lord, forgive me those words. And I plead the blood of Jesus over those words and don't let them go out and do what I wanted them to do. <sighs> Please, Lord, forgive me. Like I'm serious right now. Like, this is serious business. You have to think before you speak. Think before you write it on Facebook. (laughs) Not everyone needs to know your opinion. Spouses, you have to speak highly of your spouse. Stop negative, stop talking negative about each other and especially to others. God is not pleased with that. We, we, our marriages are a picture of Christ and the bride. Get your mouth in check. Talk highly of God's holy church. Speak the words of life over yourself and others. Speak edification and not destruction. Speak things that are good, right, pure, and true. 
speak the truth in love. And if your heart is bitter, keep your mouth shut. If your heart is bitter, just say, I'll get back to you when I'm better. I need a heart transplant. The last thing is we have to submit our body. And, and this is a part of submission that I think a lot of people don't like to talk about because we live in this. And, you know, even as I was, I was down here and I was worshiping in the, the picture that the Lord gave me, you know, and I talk a lot about, you know, the women that went to the retreat this year. We talked about a lot of this submission stuff at the retreat this year, right? And how really the 70s and that women's lib movement brought in all of this stuff. But guess what? That movement damaged the church. Not just the marriages. I'm talking about the church because it's a picture of a submissive bride and a feminist movement brought in a rebellious bride. A rebellious bride that says, I can do what I want. I can go where I want. I can live how I want. Don't tell me what to do, Jesus. It brought in a rebellious bride. Just as I submit my physical body to my husband in the marriage covenant, and this is, uh, this is what the, the uh, Word of God tells us, 1 Corinthians 7:4, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And this is not just in the bedroom, okay? I know there's kids in here, I want to talk too much about that, but y'all know what it means. But I wear the clothes my husband likes me to wear because my body belongs to my husband. That means I don't wear the things he doesn't like. I wear makeup because my husband likes me to wear makeup. I don't care if you don't like that I wear makeup. My husband likes me to wear makeup. And I'm submitted to his authority. He has, a, he, he has very, very strong opinions of my hair. <laughs> So I wear my hair the way my husband wants me to wear my hair. You know, and and I shared this at the retreat and I'll share this with you. You know, I like red hair. I don't know why. And, and, you know, I I mean like, you know, I I want red hair. My husband, I put red highlights in one time and it was too red. And my husband said, I don't like that. Please go back and change it. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I'll go change. Well, who am I trying to please anyways? It's for my husband. But what was really funny, you know, when we did, we had that color war, all the ladies were putting, putting red in my hair (laughs) and it washed out. I was, I was happy for about, you know, half a day. Then I, and I was like, Oh, it washed out. I can't even wear it to church tomorrow. (laughs) But you know, listen, I don't get tattoos because my husband doesn't like them on me. So in the same way, we're to submit our physical body to the Lord. It says physical body, not heart, body. That means he says what I wear or don't wear, what I put on my body or put in my body. There are things that I do not eat or drink because the Holy Spirit has told me not to eat them and drink them. And I am submitted to my, right? I just read to you, your body is not your own. And it it literally means physical body. Your body is not your own. 
And we don't like that part of submission because we say, no, I can do what I want. I can wear what I want. I'm called by his name. No, you can't. You can't. Your body is not your own. That means he has authority and control over what I put in my body, what I put on my body. Or he doesn't. That's up to you because submission is voluntary. You can submit it or not submit it. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you're the temple of God? Your body is the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. He's talking about your body. Your physical body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your physical body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you read on, Paul says, let no man deceive himself. He said, don't, don't deceive yourself into thinking things are the way they aren't. And we deceive ourselves when we don't willingly submit to Christ's authority over our lives. And we do what we want to do with our bodies. And what part of you are not your own, you were bought with a price, do you not understand? Did you die for yourself? No. Did you forgive your own sins? No. Did you cleanse yourself? No. Did you make yourself a new creation? No. Did you deliver yourself? Did you redeem yourself? Did you heal yourself? I I don't think so. As far as I know. There's things, you know, I, I, I don't take uh, medications unless I pray about it first. And, and, um, and I've shared this with people before, you know, I um, had a really bad panic disorder um, for a long time. Probably, you know, I have a lot of trauma in my past and, and uh, Sylvia knows about it. I was a hot mess pro- for a while. Sylvia knows all about it. I was like, I need to check myself into a sane asylum. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I'm having a nervous breakdown. I was having a really hard time. And, and I, and I went to see a counselor and she kept pushing packs along me. And she said, this is the only thing that's going to help you. This is the only thing that's going to help you. This is the only thing that's going to help you. And I prayed about it. And I, and I'm telling you, as God is my witness, the Holy Spirit said, don't you take that. That's not for you. But the doctor kept pushing it on me and pushing it on me and pushing it on me. And guess what? I took it. And guess what? I have, I have problems from Paxil still. Because I had, um, I, I, I was in this four to 11% that have severe adverse reactions to it. And I still have severe adverse reactions to the Paxil. And when I went back to the doctor, even a couple years later, I said, I'm still having all these problems. I'm still having these things. I'm having, I had some nerve issues and, and she said, um, well, get back on it. I'm like, what? Why would I do that? Why would I get back? Why would I get back on the thing that just made me sick? Why would I do? Why would I do that? But you know, I, 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 I knew what the Holy Spirit told me and I disobeyed the Lord. And so now I'm paying for that. I have the consequences of that in my body still. So I've learned through disobedience that I need to obey the Holy Spirit when it comes to what I do with my body, what goes in. Why? Because my body belongs to the Lord. Do you ask the Lord before you put things in or on your body? Do you listen, do you listen when the Spirit is telling you not to wear something? Women, what about when your husband tells you not to wear something? 
Do you eat or drink something the Lord has told you not to? Or do you say, I am free to do my own will? Well, well, you can, but you're going to pay for the consequences of that. In Isaiah 4.1, it says, And in that day seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own food and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. Um, leave it up there for a minute, please, Shelley. So I, I preached a whole sermon on this, and I've done a lot, a lot of study on this because this was one of the scriptures God gave me when I first got saved, and I could never figure it out, and I studied it for years. And place in scripture, it's very weird where it's located. Um, it's talking about is, what's going on in Israel, and then it goes into um, uh, it goes into prophecy of Christ's return. And so it's a really interesting portion of scripture. And what I believe the Holy Spirit revealed to me was that this was the language of the end time lukewarm church. Because, and I've shared with you before of the dispensation of the churches and the last church of history is the, is the church of Laodicea and it's a lukewarm church. And, it, and the, the word Laodicea means judgment of the people. And so it means I can do what I want. So a lukewarm person is one that says, I can do what I want to do. And you don't, we don't associate that with being lukewarm, but that, that in essence is what it means is that I can do what I want to do. I can do what I want to do with my time. I can do what I want to do with my money. I can do what I want to do with my body, my body, my choice, blah, 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 blah. We will eat our own food and we will wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name. We want to be called Christians, but we want to eat our own food. We want to wear our own apparel. Just let us be called by our name to take away our approach of not being married is what it is, what it means. We are married to one. We're married to Christ. We can't maintain our own autonomy and be called by his name at the same time. And this is not possible as wives. We surrender our body to the husband church. We surrender our bodies to the Lord. We surrender our bodies. We surrender our will. We surrender our mouths to the Lord. And it's a holy and beautiful temple for the Holy Spirit. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's holy and it's beautiful and it's pure and it's right and it's noble and it's true. And if you begin seeing your body as the holy temple, it will change the way you do things. If you dwell on, I am not my own, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, it will change the way you view things, it will change how, what you say, it will change what you wear, it will change the way you just look at everything else. You are not your own, you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in those things. Russ, will you come pray, play while we pray? So I just want to, I, I want to take a minute and, and think on, think on these things tonight. If you, if you know in your life, you can say, Lord, I've been rebellious in this. I, I, this is not submitted to you. If there's a part of your will that's not submitted, if you're part of your mouth that's not submitted, a part of your body that's not submitted, just submit yourself to him tonight. That's where the protection is. And the Lord does not demand that you do this he says i want you to bring bring it to me freely i want you to willfully submit yourself 
to him. He wants you to willfully submit. For those of you here tonight, and maybe you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to come to him tonight. The Holy Spirit is here and he's drawing all men. The Bible says if Jesus is lifted up, that the Holy Spirit would draw all men to him. And if you feel a drawing tonight, don't neglect the drawing of the Holy Spirit. He is drawing you nearer to him. He is drawing you closer to him. Just turn away. And as Paul said, that if you believe in your heart that Christ died for your sins and rose from the grave and you confess, Jesus, you are my Lord, you will be saved. Just confess that to him tonight. Jesus, you are my Lord. And the last thing is if you've been far from God, if you've been a prodigal, you've been running, you've been doing your own thing, the Lord is calling you home. Just recognize where you're at and make your way back to him. The Lord is waiting with open arms to receive you as a son, as a daughter. And he loves you and he's been waiting for you. Just come running back to him. Just come running back into his arms. If you're watching online and anything spoke to you, just say a prayer right in your right in your living room, wherever you're at watching this. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. Father God, we thank you for your word that it cleanses us and washes us, God, that your word sanctifies us, Lord. You said sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. God, it's the word of God that cuts deep, but it brings beauty, beauty for ashes. And I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that we don't have to go through this life alone, that you lead us and guide us and you comfort us. Father, I thank you for joy and peace and righteousness, Lord. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ and the mighty work that you're doing in our midst here, Father. We thank you and praise you for all you do for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.